we started this series on the seven deadly sins a few weeks ago. Today we will be speaking about greed or covetousness, as our other uh, translation uh, speak about it. Uh, and I want to make some clarification here before I continue. All sins are deadly, right? Don't think that only those sins can bring you far from God. Every single action that is sinful in the eyes of God is deadly for us. It's tradition in the Christian world uh, to call those specific sins as deadly because they are parenting to other type of sins. So every sin is deadly before God and we should avoid it to sin because God hates sins and we love him and we don't want to offend his holy name. Praise God. So if we can go to the text in Luke chapter 12, we'll be reading from verse 13 to verse 21. We'll be speaking about one parable that Jesus is telling to his listeners. So we'll be reading from verse 13. And may God bless his word to our hearts. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have amply goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will be they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Praise the Lord. This passage context is very interesting here. Look in almost the full chapter 12, beginning from verse 4 to verse 59, is telling us that Jesus is dealing with the issues in our lives like fear, anxiety, worries. And he's connecting those themes to the eschatological times that will be coming forward. And he's saying, don't worry about those things. Don't worry about the food that you need to have. Don't worry about the clothes that you need to wear. Because our Heavenly Father will provide according to your needs. Be concerned about your soul. And I believe that today we need to hear the same message. Especially in our culture here in North America. Where we are so pressured in different ways about the consumeristic and materialistic culture. We need to be concerned about our souls. And this message has to do more with the way that we deal with the things of the spirit, of the soul. And Jesus is connecting those teachings towards this man that came to him. A man wanted Jesus to fix his problem. 
And you know, in those times, it was very common for rabbi being called to arbitrate among things concerning the law. So something happened, this family, most probably the father died and passed on the inheritance between the children. And one of those children is say, Master, please help us. Come to help me because my brother gives me a lot of problems with the, the inheritance of my father. And Jesus here is saying something very important. This man has a disputative family on inheritance. But Jesus understood that it was a deeper symptom in his heart. And uh, the symptom that the question manifested was greed in his heart. It was not really trying to call Jesus to help to keep the family united. But he wanted to have more from his brother. And actually, according to different scholars, both brothers, maybe they were affected by greed. So this parable is about relationship with wealth. How we manage riches. And how we value riches if we compare with the needs of the soul, of the spirit. So Jesus speaks about the attitudes towards wealth and how we, again, manage this relationship. Now, the foolishness of this man is not related to the fact that it was wealth in the parable, but is related to the attachment and the lack of discernment and judgment concerning his final destination. Jesus, before he starts to tell the parable, says these words, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness or greed, as other translation. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You see, all of us, we need to be on guard against covetousness or greed. All of us need to pay attention to this parable. And I believe that like many other passages of the scriptures, God is not against wealth. is not against having riches. But is against the love that we put in the money or in the possessions. Because if the money or the possessions that we have own our hearts, then there is no space for him. And God is a jealous God. He wants to have the priority. In our hearts. And please understand the teaching of the word of God are not there to condemn us. Are there to lift us. Are there to prepare us to have a stronger relationship with God. So let's see the first lesson that we can learn. Greed is a dangerous path for our lives. Greed is a dangerous path. Is wealth good or dangerous or deceptive? Is God saying, uh, again, that we should be pay attention to money or riches that we can have? Is not God the provider of our lives? So why we have to think about it, even having a work, a job? You know, this idea that God is a provider and we don't need to work was very common even in the beginning of Christianity. In the beautiful church of Thessalonica, what happened? Those believers were waiting for the coming of the Lord, and so they stopped to work. Say, Jesus is coming soon. Why do we have to work? 
And Paul is a force to correct that false idea, saying, if you are not working, you shouldn't even eat. So the Bible's, the Bible is telling us that we need to be wise. We need to work. We need to have the necessary things for our lives. But our trust should be not in those things. Our trust should be in God that is the provider of everything. This is what Jesus is telling us. If you seek to find happiness and joy in houses, possessions, money, food, drink, the toys, the last toys of the day, the last phone of the day, you will be sooner or later very much disappointed. Because as soon you are looking forward to having that object, that thing. And then when you got it, that emotional adrenaline that you have it to get that toy will disappear as soon as you have it. And you're looking for something else to fill again the desire. Now, what is greed? Greed, in the original Greek, literally means having more. It's an uncontrolled desire to have more and more and more and more that will never be satisfied. Greed is something that they will... uh, conquer and take control of your heart to the point that you will never be satisfied with what you have and never enjoy it because you are not satisfied. It's a bad circle that goes around your heart and makes you unhappy. And you know, we live in a culture which is strongly focused on the material and the storing for the future. We have that tendency to accumulate for the future. And please, I don't want to be misunderstood here. It's good that you prepare for the future, for the Lord has to come, right? We need to be wise. We need to be like the ants that are saving for the winter, right? But if your heart is concerning about the future and the future and the future, you are not even enjoying what you have now. That was the problem of this man. We followers of Jesus Christ, we are in a different business. We don't need to store riches for the future. We need to store riches for heaven. Because our destination is not here on this earth. It will be with the Lord forever. Let me be very blunt to you this morning. Material things do not last forever. Even if you have the best of the best of the best. One day when the Lord will call us home. Or will call you home. You have to leave it behind. You don't bring them with you inside the coffin. Right? Material things doesn't last forever. And since possessions are not forever. Giving them priority in our life. Is foolishness. We should be concerned about building up. For the kingdom of God. For heaven. Don't be trapped. Into thinking that those things. Are the essence of your life. And happiness. Because they are not. Now somebody could say. Pastor money doesn't give any happiness. But can you imagine without it? You were supposed to laugh. But it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, money is necessary. But what I'm trying to say, that the Lord is, 
himself is giving more than teaching on that. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, the Bible speaks very clear and says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit a soul? The purpose of our lives is to give glory to God, to store riches for heaven. If we are focusing all our lives to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate, and we forget the importance of serving God and taking time for the Lord. And you know, I don't mean this uh, in a very negative way, but sometimes we are so concerned about working, about these material things, that we don't have time to read the Bible, we don't have time to attend services, we don't have time to pray, we don't have time to care for the other needs of the people around us. We become so focused on material things that we forget the blessing to know Jesus and to be part of His church. What the Bible says about greed. No aspect of Jesus' teaching is so confrontational and so difficult to implement in our lives as teachings on money. Scriptures clearly says that the reason we are here on earth is not, is not to procure an abundance of possessions, but is to have a, a deeper connection and relationship with God, our maker, our creator our Savior, our Lord. And if we felt that, we felt, we felt the destiny that God has prepared for us. The Bible speaks very clear. I want to read a few verses, but there are so many. I choose this one. Let's start with uh, the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, look what the Word of God says since the beginning. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. You shall not covet. You shall not be greed concerning the blessing of your neighbor. That's in summary. And then again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul writes and says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, not men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, will inherit the kingdom of God. You see, among all the, this list, there are people that are greedy. There are people that are, are attracted to have and accumulate more than what they need. And again, I want to be balanced here. And this is my purpose. It's not that we should ignore the responsibility that we have to gain and to earn with our labor what we need. But is that a restrainable desire to accumulate, to accumulate, to make more that the Bible is against with. And again in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Put to death therefore what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires and covetousness which is idolatry. You see why greed is dangerous, a dangerous path? Because if accumulating 
possessions and desire and covet them more than you need takes the first place in your heart, you become an idolater. There is idolatry in your heart. There is uh, something that is replacing the presence of God and the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's why it's a very dangerous path. Then a sober lifestyle is not popular in our culture. It's not popular because think one moment. We are bombarded continuously about things that we need to buy. And every time there is something that you uh, uh, need to buy, there are people that are showing their happiness. Catholics, the old Spot and TV are full of people who are smiling and happy because they have that car, because they have that object. We are bombarded every single day. I don't want to make a mistake, but recently I read an article, if I well remember, that I say we, every day we are bombarded more than 1,000 images encouraging us to buy new stuff. So we need to be on guard. We are not immune from greed. Should we plan for the future or should we trust in God? Again, the Bible teaches us both. We should be wise and work accordingly, but don't put your heart on those things. David, a great man of God, says, if riches abound in your life, don't put your heart in it. And he knew he was a rich man. He was the king. But he understood that principle very well. According to the Bible, Greed is dangerous and deadly. Jesus clearly says that the reason we are here on earth is to have him and to search first the kingdom of God. In the famous Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus taught that. In chapter 6, verse 33, we read, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Will be added to you. We serve an amazing generous God. David says again. I was young. I became old. But I never saw the child of God. Begging for bread. God is so good. That when we put him. As the priority of our heart. He will give you. More than you need. He is a faithful God. He will bless you more than what you expect because He's generous. It's in the heart of God to bless His children. It's in the heart of God to see them happy in Him. And when you understand that you have given your heart to God, you also appreciate His provision for you. You become very grateful for everything He does for you and provides in your life. According to your needs and his generosity. God has no debts with us. He's a generous God. And this is something that we should experience in our lives. And I'm sure that if I give you the possibility to talk this morning. Many of you will say this. That God has been faithful to you. In providing what you need. And above what you need. Because he's good. 
is generous. So don't be trapped in the path of being greedy people. But also greed is a controlling path. It's not just dangerous, but it's controlling. It's taking over your emotions, your actions, your feelings. Let me say this. What happens when our lives are controlled by greed? What happens when we are not open our mind and open our vision on the goodness of God with a larger vision of his goodness? You see, we find our identity on material success. One thing that we realize from this parable that this man found his own identity on what he owned. And if you find yourself or the meaning of yourself or your identity in whatever you possess, if you don't have what you think is necessary, you feel worthless. Your self-esteem will be very low. And you are trapped in that because your identity is given from what you have. If you don't have the last model of the car, the recent car, you feel that you are not valued. If you maybe don't own the last model of phone, it means maybe that you are not appreciated in your status. You understand what I'm trying to say? This man says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. This man, in the parable, was already rich. He had more than what he, he needed. But he, again, put his emphasis in what he, he possessed, in what he was able to harvest that year. And the problem with this man is not this material success. Jesus makes very clear here. He's not condemning him for his work and for being a successful businessman. He's condemning him because he's putting his heart in whatever he owns. And he finds his own identity in whatever he harvests that year. His material success was the source of his identity. My barns, my grain, my goods, my fields, everything was related to him. And brothers and sisters, when we relate our lives and our emotions and our actions and our feelings to what we own, then we are controlled by that. The man in the parable is self-absorbed. With his own word. And look at what he says. And he thought to himself. What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. He seems to be alone. There is no space in his life for neighbors. There is no space for the rest of his family. There was no sharing in his life. Is self-absorbed of whatever he had gained here. And we can almost feel the disconnection with the world around him. He could easily say, the Lord blessed me this year with such abundance. I am already rich. I will bless other people around my neighborhood. I will share the blessing of the Lord. I will feast. I will celebrate with those who are close to me. With my servants. That they work hard to allow me to have this beautiful harvest. But he didn't. Why? Because his heart was there to accumulate more and more for himself. Perhaps his greed and selfishness drove 
those people around him away from him. And you know, when you are dealing with a greedy person, it's very difficult. You prefer not having nothing to do with a person such that. Because everything is about them and what they can have for themselves. His concern is to sit aside the abundance for himself and take life easy. Now you can relax, eat, drink, and be merry for yourself. You see, this brings another thought. Greed assumes more control over your life. When you think that you own the world, everything is permitted to you. So you plan, you think that you are in control. I will do this for myself. But the reality is different here in the story. The Bible does not discourage us from looking for the future with a great expectation. However, if we make our plans and God is not in those plans, we will fail miserably. My brothers and sisters, as much as we plan, we need to understand that who wants the future is not you, is not me, is God. All the time, we should repeat to ourselves that it's God who owns our future. We sing that beautiful song, right? Because he lives. Remember the words? Helping me because sometimes I forget easily. I came face to more because he lives. Because I know he holds my hand. Praise God for this. And my brothers and sisters, trust in God. He holds your hand. He's in charge of your future. He knows what you need. He knows the need that you will have in every season of your life. Because at the moment that we trust God, we know that He's our provider, that He is in charge. And because we trust Him, He will continue to bless us. This man lost his humility as he presumed more control over the future than reality he had. Look, verse 18. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my, all my grain and my goods. You see, all of his plans were based on the fact that he expected to control the future and the destiny of his family probably. But remember, he was already rich. He was already rich, a rich man. Yet his focus was on bigger barns. My brothers and sisters, let's think about it. If God is blessing us, let's share his blessing with the work of the Lord, with other people around us. When I think about people that have billions in their bank account, how many lives they should live to consume all the money that they have? They will never, even if they spend a lot of money for every single day, they will not in their own lives spend all this money. So we should be more concerned about our future, about reality, our eternal. We trade present contentment to the vanity of a bigger future that we may not be able to reach. The Bible says very clear in James chapter 4, verse 13 to 16. 
Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you have to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, your boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So we should submit our future in God's hand. And you know, the Greek verb apiteo, translated here from the English Standard Bible version, required, conveys the idea that this man was not the owner of his own soul. He was accountable to God. And remembers, we should remember all the time that as we live our lives here on earth, we are not the owner of our lives. We have to give account to God one day. The Bible says that even each word that we speak can imagine about what we also possess. The way that we use what we have. And this man for 11 times in this parable says, I, 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 I. 11 times in, in few verses. So it's all about himself. He never spent a moment thinking that his life could finish in a moment. He was so focused on accumulating things that he never focused on eternity. And the Bible is very clear. Even Paul, as he writes in his epistle, says that we should look at the things that, that are eternal. We should keep for the things that will last forever. And that's the end of this parable. We must be rich in God. Is our everything. One day... Everything will be given to us according to what we have done on earth. So let me finish this sermon this morning with an application. Answer this question. How can we diagnose greed in our lives? How can we make an exam to understand if we are greedy people? Let me say this first. Let us be on guard against greed. The first thing that you need to do is be on guard. And you know if you love boxing, you know that the boxer should be always on guard. Because at the moment that he, he put his arms down, he's opened himself to be punched by the adversary. So we should be able to stay on guard all the time against greed. Against the desire to accumulate things. And again, we live in a, in a world where we are bombarded by the marketers to buy things that maybe they are not need in reality. I want to give you just a test. I don't want to embarrass nobody this morning, please. But are you watching out against greed, feelings in your heart? Let me ask you even more. How many of us have confessed the sin of greed in the past couple of days? Okay, I want to be more large. In the past week. Okay, even more. The past month. The past year. There was one moment where you say, Lord, I was greedy. Forgive me. Do you understand where I'm going? It's so subtle that we are not on guard against greed. No one of us is immune by that. And again, I say, I include myself in this. No one of us is immune from accumulating things. 
Then, let's be good stewards for God's glory. Do you invite God into your thinking about money? Whatever you should buy something or not? Do you invite God to guide you? Do you consider that we are in the business to accumulate riches for God and not for ourselves? I know that we are going towards the season of Christmas. And you will soon see on TV a lot of spots to encourage you to buy things. I want to challenge all of us this year to have less gifts for ourselves and to think for others. You know, we spoke about shoebox for Christmas operation, child. Let's invest in the kingdom. Let's be a little bit more generous than usually we are. Let's thinking about uh, missionaries. Uh, Jeffrey funds that we have in the Mission Alliance churches, where we can put some money to support the missionaries in their field. The Bible says very clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then, let us find more joy in giving than in receiving. Paul, in the book of Acts, in chapter 20, verse 36, is quoting Jesus saying that there is more joy in giving than in receiving. Let's challenge all of us to be more givers than receivers. Bless others. And you know, it's not about make big gesture. But sometimes there are small things that can make the difference in our lives. It can keep our guard eye. Let's remember that our lives find true fulfillment only in God. And I want to close with this verse in Proverbs. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. May this be our prayers this morning. May this be the desire of our heart. Lord, we trust you. We know that you are a good God. Keep me on guard against greed. Clean my heart. And this morning, you know... This message is not reaching to us without having a purpose in the, in the plan of God. If there is any trace of greed in your heart, this morning can be maybe an opportunity for us to confess openly and say, Lord, please, bring him in the right path. Bring him in the right track. I want to honor you. I want to accumulate treasures on heaven and not on this earth. Amen.
can we all stand in God's presence? Father, we come before your presence, O oh dear God. And yes, we confess that sometimes in our hearts, in our minds, we give space to, to things that are not necessary. We ask you to forgive us, O oh Lord God, when we become greedy people. We ask you to cleanse us by the blood of Jesus. And we ask, O oh God, that we can replace greed with a, a cheerful heart in giving. Make us givers, O oh Father. Make us people that are generous and share your provision with others in many different ways. And Father, I thank you for the many generous people that we have in this community of faith. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you will continue to bless each one of them. If we struggle with greed, O oh Father, I pray that you will bring us in your right path. Father, we thank you because in your son we have the perfect example. So Father, may this be the desire of our heart to be like Jesus. And find joy in giving and not in receiving. So we thank you and we give you all the blessing and all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. And all the people God says, Amen. Amen.